This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and did you know people are actually watching this? But, <laughs> as always, I am never alone, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book man. Dan, the comic book man is here, we're doing this on Facebook Live, if you're listening to this podcast that's fine but we're going to try to do some of these specials a bit um, more interactive get people in on the fun increase our engagement if you will and man we have a hell of an anniversary this year this summer it will be 10 years since avengers first came out absolutely crazy can you believe we've been dealing with the mcu for about what is it 14 years now 14 years now 14 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 years we've had the MCU. It's hard to even remember what life was without it. It's really hard to remember um, the films that we got before then. But that's what this special is all about. Because Morbius just came out. (laughs) You know, we covered (laughs) it last week. Wasn't a great film. And I think it caused many people to theorize whether or not anyone besides Marvel Studios could ever make a good Marvel film, to which we took that challenge to heart. Today is all about finding the best non-MCU Marvel films, films that were either pre-MCU or just done by other studios after the fact. Um, we One of the things that we talked about off-air uh, Dan was that I was like this. This is a short list, so we're just gonna we're just gonna pull apart. Oh five my each. god, when you say short, list, I think it's easier to find more good DC movies overall than Do there you? is to find non MCU Marvel movies. Because I, I was going over this list myself. I, I'm literally like, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe if you could argue. Five at the most, but four definite X-Men films, one and a half Deadpool films, maybe five and a half Spider-Man films. You know, like, like you could argue for three and you could argue for Amazing Spider-Man 2. So it's like, like, but then you have Man-Thing in 05. You have yeah. both Ghost Riders, three Fantastic Fours, Daredevil, Elektra, Doctor Strange in the 70s, Captain, ha- Captain America the in the 90s. Some Punishers in there. The, well, you could you could also argue maybe two and a half Punishers or one and a half Punishers. <laughs> and a half. Like, it's really it's really few and far between on good non MCU Marvel movies. Like you know you could have your dark horses and you could have your 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 tastes and and what you consider your favorite. But if we're gonna go like objective truth, what are actually good movies? 
I think you can find more good DC movies than non MCU Marvel movies. Right. No, I I agree. Um, it, it was a bit rough, especially when you consider some of the bombs they they had a lot of bombs in the Stolen early nineties or the eighties and stuff. And then there's like a time period where they just stopped. They didn't do anything Marvel seemingly in cinema for a very long time. And then you start getting the phase that we know, you know, where towards that late nineties into the two thousands. And we start really moving that train up as Marvel starts to sell part of its assets to studios to kind of avoid bankruptcy. So some of these films that we'll be talking about today were needed to bankroll the MCU. And I think what's most telling is at one point, I think there was a conversation in Fox about doing an Avengers kind of film where they were going to bring in the characters that they owned the, you know, uh, daredevils, X-Men, stuff like that. And they were going to fight some big threat. But by the time that, that happened, the most mismatched. Group <laughs> like, like and I know, I, I know when you don't want to see Michael me. Chiklis come out of a portal. <laughs> oh my, listen. Listen, if I would have saw like Ian Grufford come out of a damn portal, except, yeah, or Jessica, Jessica Alba coming out that portal. But he has to be doing, he has to be doing uh, the dance too. He has to be doing that dance he was doing with his bachelor party. Oh, that weird God, stretchy. Th- looking like a curly fry. Yeah. So Jesus we, we decided to come up with five uh, non-MCU Marvel movies that we really, really dig. And we will back and forth name them. But we also came up with some extras just in case we have literally the same <laughs> list. Which which I'm pretty know, sure we will. I, I think there's some definite ones that are, you know, um, that people just got to say. So I, I, will, I will say one that I think is not on yours. Because I think we kind of got a, an idea of what could be on yours so i'm gonna say one that i think is not on yours and then we'll go to you and um you know just talk about like what we could remember the significance all that kind of stuff here this is very uh loosey-goosey but this these are the kind of conversations i love to have so mine i gotta go with uh the first one i'm gonna mention it's not my top you know what my top is bro you know my top you know what my top superhero film is, so like for the most I part, I already it's know the you, top. I know what you're yeah, <laughs> it's I know the top you're non right. So that's there. We'll talk about that when we get there. But before then, I would like to nominate Blade, the first Blade. Ah, that's that's, that's funny because I was going back and forth of which I wanted to add. Yeah, and. I just have to go with with, with who I, I like. I grew up with Blade Two more than Blade I, One. Like I, bro, Blade yeah. One was more Blade Blade. The first Blade was scary. That was yeah. genuinely an actual scary movie to me as a kid. But Blade Two had this weird blend of of a lot of martial arts and action sequences and shoot 'em up gunfights that they weren't like when like when you look at the first the opening of Blade One. You literally have a girl transporting a, a vampire transporting a human dude through a damn meat factory of dead carcasses before they get to an underground rave. That blood rave, bro. That blood rave is Yo, crazy. It we is. covered it. Uh, I want to say for its fifteenth or twentieth anniversary, Blade. We covered the first it for the twentieth anniversary. So it was been covered eight, on Halloween, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was shocked. Like it's not perfect. You know, and when you think about the era, you know, this is the Spawn era, 
This is the Batman and Robin era. This is the Steel era, bro. Like things are oh, about God. to get yeah. bad, and it's about to get bad real quick. And this is not that. It's not bad. Um, I guess you could argue that it wasn't. It probably wasn't comic book enough. They made some serious changes to the character to get him to be Wesley Snipes for the most part. Oh, that's one of my biggest. One of my biggest gripes that I've learned to like also look at a positive way is that if does this feel like a comic book yeah. movie does this feel like a comic book story can you see a writer actually writing a story like this like like when you look at like iron fist that in no way feels like anything that has to do with comic books right you, you, it, it just feels like this weird ass whitewashed it man it's basically just a <laughs> whitewashed it man i feel like um but here's the thing though this is i mean uh you can agree with me or not but i also feel as if it got popular because it wasn't comic booky right yes. it yes. almost was act <laughs> check out this verbiage it was action movie passing <laughs> if you will <laughs> it was a comic book movie that passes as an action film and to be honest, that's a little bit of what the success of the MCU started to be. It didn't have to be stuck in comic book. It has to be a comic comic book characters, themes, and story mixed with another genre. If you do a heist, you understand? If you do uh, um, like crime noir, like we saw with the Batman, like it doesn't have to just be straight out of the book. It should be elements of actual film <laughs> mixed in with this. And for years, I know, you know, as somebody who now does all this comic book stuff, it sounds mad, like madness. But for years, I didn't even know Blade was a comic book character. I, I didn't, I didn't know that's what he, that's what his jam was. It, it, it happened because there's, it, because there was definitely Blade, the living. No, no, that's more recently. There was, there definitely was Blade episodes of the animated amazing spider-man yeah and he looks nothing I, ain't he looks nothing like the blade that we got in this movie though not at all not at <laughs> all well except for the flat top and the sunglasses and the he's, he's also like significantly lightened up for some oh, oh, he's incredibly <laughs> light-skinned in the, in the animated one i don't know why but for some strange reason he is incredibly lit um wesley snipes man Great choice for somebody, you know, to do this genre, to do this film. Oh, the nineties, the 90s, this man was thriving in ways that I consider underrated or, or not just underrated, but more so underappreciated. New yeah. Jack City, Demolition Man, Blade. This guy was white men can't jump. This man was pumping out action to drama to comedy, money train. Yeah. Like this man was was doing his thing in the nineties. And no one is really appreciating it for what it was. Yeah. I mean, many people will go on to say that this film was the one that saved Marvel. You know, the one that kind of let people know that they can go forward and do more adult-centered stuff. And in well, general... I'm sure our Men in Black comes out the same year. And that's also I Marvel. believe so as well. I think the imprint might be. That's interesting. Um, it definitely won't make my list, but it's just a nice little honorable mention that, hey, Men in Black's a Marvel movie. Men in Black, uh, 97, so the year before. And oh, we'll be God. actually, their anniversary is coming up soon, so we'll be covering something for that, which is pretty interesting. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, so then they make the same, like, 25-year anniversary as um, Spawn and Steel. 
Close your, it was an up and down year in 1997 for this kind of content. Um, but yeah, man, like when you talk about adult Marvel content, the level of blood in this, they're seemingly trying to sell you sex in the beginning with the or with not the orgy, the uh, the nightclub, blood like the bloody nightclub stuff. Um, really, really cool. And then the line, some motherfuckers some always motherfuckers try to always ice skate, ice skate up, uphill. uphill. Like you can't beat that. Um, those weapons. Just a cool, just a badass, cool guy. I think we had him um, as one of the best uh, character debuts. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, because again, you can't beat that shit. No, you, know? you can't. And, and Chris Christopherson as Wexler, it, it's yeah. him as Wexler really helps you get used to Glenn Scott as Stick, because that's just basically. Scott Glenn. I Scott Glenn. Yeah, Scott Glenn. That's just it's a, two first same, names. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's the same freaking character. Like, oh, you stupid son of a bitch. Or like when we- when Wexler was dying in the first movie, and he's like, hand me my gun. Now walk away, you stupid son of a bitch. I'm like, <laughs> I get, I get, I get definite, uh, like, Jeff Bridges' true grit vibe from Chris Christopherson. Because <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bridges was actually... Is he doing John his best, Wayne. Chris? I was say, is he doing his best, Chris Christopherson? Is that what he's doing? No, the, the thing is, is True Grit in the, was originally a John Wayne movie. Ah. Brewster Cogburn, of one of the most famous fucking characters that John Wayne has played many times. So okay. that, so, so when Jeff Bridges is doing that, that like southern thing, where he's like this, he's doing like his own version of John Wayne. And Whistler's just there in a leather vest. And it, like I remember, the weird thing about that film was they made it seem like he was gonna die, and then he just didn't. Like they made. Oh the no! no. He, 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 like, he like shoots himself, and then in the second movie, you 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 the the literally the movie opens up to Blade rescuing him from hypogenic sleep, like he's in like a cryo chamber. Very weird. Because I think weird. like I think they because I think they bit him is what it was. Wexler, that's why he had the blood all over him and everything. Like they they bit him, and he was turning into a vampire. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the whole thing of it all. You can't, like I said, you can't talk about some of the good of MCU without talking about one of the first. So that's mine. Uh, the first Blade. Balls in your love, court there, Mr. Dan. Well, I love, I love how you're bringing up the, the unconventional first. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful to bring up the unconventional. But I also love when the conventional is done right. Because if you're just going to do traditionalist with no rhyme or reason, just, just, to, just to paint this little love letter to that error, I'm not going to buy it. You're not going to be in my back. And in fact, as an example, I went back and watched La La Land not too long ago. It was not that good. Oh, on rewatch, it doesn't work? Yeah, on rewatch, La La Land's not as good as I... I I saw it. I loved it when I saw it. I bought it. I've yet to rewatch it. (laughs) Yeah, you you literally have La La Land sitting in your DVD collection. I bet I've yet to rewatch it. I just, like, I don't know... I don't, it's a very specific mood, a movie with a very specific tone, and I don't know in what what would put me in the mood for watching a love story that doesn't work in the end. <laughs> very, oh, spoiler! Sorry. And then gives you this this fucking well. This is what happens if they did stay together. Actually, so the whole movie just ends with a well. They're not actually together, but here's what it would look like if they were together. So what the hell do I care for? No, none of it. None but, of no, it. But, but yeah, I, what I what bucks the system in your in your in your mind? What? What bucks the system in your mind? For for what? 
comic book films. You're talking about not not. You said you said. But, but, but when they when you can do a, when you do a conventional and it doesn't work is it, it, mostly like the '90s Captain America that I've seen clips yeah. of, yeah. where it just has this weird score, and the score just the score just doesn't work because it sounds goofy. But then you just have this guy that's just standing there always with his hands on his side, yeah, in this weird cost. And it's not that comic book co- accurate costumes don't work for live action because we've seen it. Hundred percent. Like, oh, yeah. We have seen the most minimal, the most minimal of comic book accurate uh, costumes take place. Some something so goofy as Wanda and Vision wearing their comic book costumes to the th- to Halloween. Yeah, but yeah. it still looked cool, and you felt good about it. It felt earned. You felt rewarded by it. Totally. Some, some of the some of the movies in the nineties and before that, they had this weird. When you're a comic book movie, you have to have this certain aesthetic, this certain style, and you you know you know the direction that they just need, where everything's yeah. on like a still camera, so the person has to like jump in frame, and then they pan <laughs> the camera to the side, and, and it's so weird. But I but feel like a lot of that is like sorry to cut you off, but I think it's important for us to mention that you know we a lot most of the things we'll be taking, I want to assume, is probably from Blade moving forward. Yes. Do you have anything on your list po- pre Blade? Uh, no. Okay, so, so, so we're going to be living in 1998 moving forward. So easily, for the last 20 years, DC is dominating superhero movies. 100% since 77. Dominating. From 77 to, 99, from 77 to 90, 97, DC is taking the cake. And some might even argue that, that, that Wes Craven's Swamp Thing is one of their favorite like Dark Horse movies. Yeah. And it's probably... Probably not that bad at all. But, but I think um, I think more so it's like um, when you talk about like the what the standard or the pastiche of what people thought of superhero movies, it was Superman basically, bro. Like that's you know what I'm saying? Like everyone was trying to make Superman. They wanted like jaunty music and you know, like you know, like cheesy music and yeah. Totally, that, totally. That's what plagued Batman in the '90s because they give you Batman Returns, and it's like, well, wait a minute now, where's where's the blue and the red? All you have is green and purple. Where's mm. the where's the trumpets and the drums? All you have is like clarinets and wind instruments. Like we can't sell McDonald's like this, and it ultimately plagues the Batman right. series. And then then you then you get literally an an Adam West literally to the bone at its heart an adam west batman movie in the 90s with batman and robin Mm -hmm. and 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 you're just you're just one scene away from there's no good place to hide a bomb yeah yeah. or batman punching a shark in the face while hanging on a ladder or pulling out a credit card god damn it yeah come back around but when you just but when you decide to take one of the most when you decide to decide to have one of the most unconventional directors of our times direct one of the most conventional superhero movies of our times you get the literal flagship standard of marvel movies with spider-man of 2002 that awesome it, choice. It, it, and i, I i've racked my brain because i wanted to choose only one spider-man itself movie right because ultimately they all lead to defining being defined by the error it's in mm-hmm. because you get amazing spider-man because of dark knight right but here Spider-Man had to start the blueprint itself. 
It had to draw the blueprint. It what it had no blueprint. What what a Spider-Man movie in 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 the aughts in two thousand and two, where 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 right at this point, Roger Deakins has already perfected color grading technology. So we have the tools, yeah, to make his suit perfect. And when you when you get it, when you get that montage scene of him of of Tobey Maguire drawing every single suit he can try and draw. And then you get the you get the shot of the hand shooting, and then the the mask, and then boom, the whole suit of Spider Man just looks beautiful. Yeah, and even he, the I don't I don't remember watching that film. I remember there being lines around the block, and I also remember ne- like not having a single complaint about it. Like it it was everything I wanted in a Spider Man film. And I think one of the things we should talk about is just the general dynamics of the web slinging, right? Like we had never seen web slinging in live action. And homeboy was kind of killing it. They were kind of killing it at with that this. time. <laughs> yeah, and and as much as they perfected, and I think the most perfect web swing that we've ever gotten in live action is Amazing Spider-Man Two. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, like nothing beats the what they did for for Andrew Garfield's Amazing. But to just no see pun intended. Him, <laughs> <laughs> but to, to to see him like literally do the wall, the wall crawl, yeah, and then just sling a web down upside down. Yeah, like every game we've ever played, right? Like every game we've ever played. (laughs) He's shooting webs into people's faces, and I'm just like, yes, he's doing like the kip up drop kicks and punches, and they're they're the the folly department, the folly department did a great job because the impacts of those punches is straight video game. You hear those that the the like the air just popped. Yeah. Yeah, you love it. When when you got Green Goblin for the first time, and yes, everybody makes their jokes now. I guess that, that would be the issue, is the suit. That was the only thing I had an issue with, but it didn't take me long. It just felt yeah, it but felt look, look naked. But, but <laughs> look, you, you, okay, one, I guess, <laughs> it's a problem because I know Sam Raimi. Yeah. I know what Sam Raimi's capable of with literally $10,000 of budget and a mm. cabin in the woods with Evil Dead. Like, Raimi, Raimi can do Green Goblin without having to make him a, a, a mech suit. Yeah, he he didn't need the the, the exoskeleton suit. Raimi could have done it perfect, but I also don't think that it would have spawned what it what it spawned. What Spider Man One became what it became because it was a comic book movie that didn't that wasn't afraid to be comic booky and campy, yeah. but also had elements of real danger, drama. Uncle Ben dying on camera, I think, is probably the first time uh, like since superman in the 70s uh, a, a superhero's parent died yeah because i really i can't count those 90s flashbacks because oh, all they sense. are is all they are is flashbacks but they legit in real time gunned down uncle ben yeah, from his death, from his death, the wrestling stuff, all that canonical comic book stuff, like they took care of the stuff. They obviously made their own conventions. Like I said, the Green Goblin costume, organic webbing. These were all things that they ended up changing for this. But like, especially after seeing what he was able to do in No Way Home, um, the foe is Toby's Jack Nicholson. He's Toby's oh, uh, Terrence Stamp. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the first time Marvel got a hand on not only 
a good leading man, but a good foil for him. This felt like Batman and Joker. This felt like like we're gonna we're destined to do this forever kind of stuff. Even though he sort of dies at the end. And but, that's why <laughs> when when he and that's why when Dahan kills Gwen Stacy, it, it even if you can say that the that Amazing Spider-Man Two is bad, that moment is probably one of the most earned comic book moments. Yeah. In all of it, because there is no possible way that if that was the introduction of Gwen Stacy and they kill her in the same movie, imagine mm-hmm. you don't even get you don't get Bryce Dallas Howard, you don't get all the years of cartoons and video games and and comics, you don't get the same relationship with Gwen Stacy. It's just here's Gwen Stacy for the first time since the eighties. Up, we're just bringing her in just to adapt her death. You're and a film guy. Sony doing crap like that, so I'm surprised that Sony actually you know, showed restraint and made her death earned. I, you're a film guy. What's that film that's like a romance, like a romance film, but it ends with somebody like either taking a job or having to go the next morning to the Twin Towers, the day of. Oh, that's Remember <laughs> so, Me. That's yeah. Robert Pattinson, yeah. Remember Me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I feel like Gwen, the character of Gwen Stacy kind of represents that. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, a, a character, a movie ending, and the character goes, you know, man, I can't wait for my uh, boat ride tomorrow. That Titanic is gonna be a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's like literally it's just... watching a movie where the movie the movie begins with somebody getting on the plane on September 11th. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So you're just it's like, like, oh well, I guess I know down how this there. is gonna go. Yeah. Uh, you great stuff with Toby. Great stuff with um, Willem Dafoe. Oh, and uh, uh, J.K. Simmons, oh, man. J.K. Simmons? Simmons was literally born to play that role. No one will be a better J. Jonah. And I'm right. playing the Spider-Man remastered on my yeah. friend's PlayStation 5. So I just, like, every, like, 20 minutes, I just get these little <laughs> Alex Jones podcast sound bites yeah. from J. Jonah. And I'm just like, yo, this is just beautiful. This just, I can hear, I see J.K. Simmons. He made the flat top. He made that fucking 80s flat top work. Yeah, like, he could he could still act with chomping on that cigar. The whole the whole the little mustache, all of it really, really works. Isn't already famous that I'll make him infamous. Yeah. You, you, and you bought that. That that would feel like a mustache twirling 1960s dialogue kind of stuff. But he brings it. He brings he brings all of it. And it, No, because it, in his in his introduction, it's it you get this montage of everybody in the city saying, Oh my god, I love Spider-Man. He's great. I have no idea who he is, but I guess he's doing something. And people are like, oh, I hate him. He's stupid. Fucking Jim Horn, Jim Norton. Goddamn yeah. Jim. Oh, Horton. yeah, yeah, yeah. He stinks. Comedian Jim. He says. I he hate him and he stinks. And I don't like him. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy Lawless. Like Lucy Lawless going to get tangled in them webs. She's in there as well. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yep. Guy with eight hands. Kind of hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so many cameos. It was. So it was. Weird. It was well done, man. It was just well done. And considering that they had no bigger universe that they were trying to open up, it was just like, again, I know this sounds crazy. I would love for now. Currently, people just make good films. Stop worrying about the universe that they're in. And where are they going to go? Like, that's that's the real problem, because this movie wasn't can't because I'm caring about franchises. This wasn't worried about, oh, my God, I got to find a way that I can blend Daredevil into my next film. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't worrying about. They had Easter eggs, but you felt rewarded for spotting certain Easter eggs. They, they didn't have Easter eggs that were literally harbingers of the next film. No. So, yeah, and so no, no post-credit scenes for the most part. Like, I don't think any Spider-Man film has a post-credit scene. Uh, of the of the Rings? None of them. 
Even Amazing Spider-Man. No did Amazing Spider-Man have post-credits? I don't remember that. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man did have post-credits. The first Amazing Spider-Man post-credits was Mr. Sinister visiting uh, Lizard. And he's then uh, he's like, did you tell him about his father twirling his little hat and whole little mm. mystery that led nowhere? And then the end credit scene of the second movie, I think was, or I think that became a deleted scene was it was Peter being visited by his actual father at Gwen Stacy's grave. Interesting. It was one of the dumb. It was one of the dumbest things ever because I waited for it to be on YouTube for me to watch them. Oh, the father thing. I thought that was a deleted scene. Uh, I. I I don't honestly. I it might be deleted. Delete, it might have been a deleted scene. I just remember seeing it on. I remember seeing it on YouTube because when I left Amazing Spider-Man Two, the first thing I said was, "This was disrespectful." Spider-Man Three was bad, and I love Spider-Man Three for how bad it is. But this is disrespectful. This movie, with that movie, was still to this day is disrespectful to me. Yeah, yeah. That's I. Sometimes things get really good before they start to get really bad. Like we were so excited for Spider-Man One, not realizing where Spider-Man Three would leave us or where Spider-Man Two would drop us off. Um, and that's it's, that's the problem. Is look how look what Spider-Man Two. And as much as I wanted to 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 mention it, I couldn't because I feel like it almost deflated the series. Because how I, how I think there should have been less. I think there should have been less of the Mary Jane poem stuff in Spider-Man Two. <laughs> like I well, wish there was yeah. Cause when yeah. I go back to Spider-Man 2 and I think of the things I wasn't really fond of, it's the raindrops montage. It's um it's you know uh all Being the crying over MJ getting mugged in an alleyway. Trying to trying to speak poetry and, and Harry Osborne slapping him and just like all this stuff, you know. I didn't care for the for for him having that conversation with Ben. Because I, I also can't tell with the way the editing was. I guess he's imagining. Oh, what yeah, a like an ethereal plane back in the car kind of stuff. When they're yeah, still in the they're car. Like, they're in an all-white backdrop when they're back in the That, that back feels the weirdly comics, though. That feels no, weirdly does, like... But, the way, but it, the way it was set up, there was, there was no setup to it. You're thinking he's, he's asleep, so this is a dream. And then when he says, I'm Spider-Man no more, the next cut is him sitting up awake with a single teardrop in his eye before he throws the suit in the garbage. And it's like, okay, so was he just sitting in his bed imagining what a conversation with Ben would be like? And he still says, fuck you, Ben. Like, right, right. Well, he gets like, an opportunity what? to go back and he still says the same shit. I'm not going to lie. I don't think Toby, that, that Peter, really liked Ben all that much. I mean. Because if you look at it, look at what, when Andrew Garfield had his, his argument with Ben, it felt like a genuine father-son argument because before that, when they had their first talk in the movie, he tells him, Uncle Ben, you're a great dad. Fuck well, it. you could Toby say, never like... called him a great dad. Toby's, Toby's Ben is trying to give him advice. Andrew's Ben is almost trying to discipline him because he's, he thinks he's acting recklessly by not following behind his responsibilities that's what's even worse that toby's flipping out at, at, at an older man that's trying to give him advice. he's literally just like hey man just slow down a little bit in life bro you understand and like you're a good that, kid he's oh, like, oh i know i'm not your father like <laughs> screw you old man just stop pretending to be my father you're not my dad i wish you get shot by some stranger but then we find out that there was another guy in it and then we're gonna have to go hunt him down and then <laughs> i don't actually kill that guy because he's oh, made a sand it was an accident so <laughs> That's a, I forgave him because 
he got startled and his finger pulled on the trigger because you know he's a robber with no trigger discipline. So, but it's all. Oh good my god, I love. Down. I love that. Uh, in No Way Home, Toby was like, "Yeah, I totally killed the guy who killed my uncle Ben. Like I fucking like pushed him out of a window. He I died. hunted him down. <laughs> his ass is dead." Um. But yeah, you know, some sometimes it is a it is. So yeah, that, that's uh, important. my thing for definitely. No, I'm just saying sometimes it's important to sit in the calm before the storm. Um, and to me, there's nothing that represents the calm before the storm more than X two, X Men oh, two, X Men United. Pick that one. Uh, 2003, directed by some guy. I'm not too sure who directed that. Brian. Uh, <laughs> uh, something, da- something dancer. Something dancer. <laughs> directed. I could have sworn that this was just like a slew of producers working together. It was a story by uh, one of the people who worked on the story. Story is Zach Penn, who I believe also Zach worked Penn on did Incredible some Hulk. Stuff. Uh, the yeah. story for the Avengers. Um, uh, yeah, the Incredible Hulk, the Avengers, X Men: The Last Stand, Elektra. I mean, some good, some bad. It it, it happens. Um, but oh, Zach with a K, just Z Z A K. Yep, I know yep. Zach Penn. Zach Penn. So. I feel like um, this film is the best thing we can get close to what I loved, which was X-Men, the animated series. Like we're, we're past the introductions. The team is already there. We get a couple of cool guys. I mean, freaking, is it uh, Alan Cummings? Who's Alan Cummings. Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler yep. with those glyphs on the face. Such a cool aesthetic, such a cool design. One of the, and it, it just, I know, I, I, I'm of two minds because usually I say just because you're first doesn't mean you're best. But mm-hmm. sometimes when you do it first, you need that credit of look where we are now from where we were. And 100%. that opening scene in the White House breaking in with him and the way he's just disappearing and reappearing and the smoke just following him and his tail working as its own hand and the yeah. Beethoven just playing over. Dun, 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 dun. They found a way to make these things feel epic, you know. Um, And that spin kick, that damn spin kick, where he disappears again. They have a, they had a litany of characters. Like I said, with the the Spider Man issue, was that you could only play with Spider Man. That's all. That's the only people that they could play with. The idea of starting X two with Nightcrawler, like such a cool badass character, straight. You know, like every nineties kid knows Nightcrawler. I thought that was super sick. Um, the whole like William Stryker sending people to go like shoot kids, <laughs> like that 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 aesthetic of like being allowed by the government to go and you know oh they're having weapons there. Very very two thousand and uh, very early two thousands. They got oh, weapons over me, there. Sir, no, what so would a <laughs> need need with a jet plane? Because they literally have a jet plane under their basketball court. Yeah, I mean we've. We've used less to do more as as a, as a government. <laughs> we they have something over there. We're gonna go over there and bomb them until we find out what it is. Uh, so like that, all of that there. Finding out that Stryker had a mutant son. Of course he did. Of course that's why he's so hard on for fucking you know treating these mutants like trash because he has a mutant son. Um, it's another instance of Professor X getting passed out or whatever, like just being gone. And the introduction of Brian. Co- like I love I love I love Sir Ian McKellen. I love him with all my heart, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm. Uh, it's gonna. Um, it's painstakingly honest that Brian Cox was the better villain. Brian Cox was the it be, next to next to Kevin Kevin oh. fucking Bacon. Brian Cox is the best X Men villain we have ever gotten because that man was one. He was menacing. 
Tui mm-hmm. was he was he was just as realistic as Magneto, but he was a human. So someone can throw their actual self into that perspective. Like, totally. look at these people that are not like me, but are getting all of this love. <laughs> like, happens, bro. It happens, bro. And the, I think what also and uh, you know, uh, debate me on this if you want. I think also what makes Brian Cox work is he's not a young, gorgeous actor. No, that's I think that's what makes him work as a villain. Yeah, he just he seems like a man who's lived a rough life. And so if he's come through and been like, no, we need like you believe him. He has conviction in his voice because he's not somebody they just plucked off the streets. You know, so nowadays they just are trying like Brian Cox is famous, but he's not. I wouldn't consider him like leading man A-list stuff. And now all they do is hire A-list people to play supporting characters. Why not just get the best character actors that exist out in this world? Why is no one hiring John Leguizamo for some of this stuff is what I'm saying. (laughs) He already has like 200 credits on IMDb. What more do you want? Put Steven Root. Put Steven Root in one of these films, damn it. Steven Root, the fact that he has not been in like enough if there is any comic book property that he has Mm -hmm. been in the fact that we're not making this man do more at the very least voice acting bro if if you get the reunion back together of steven root and alan tudyk on doom patrol my god that'd be so cool my god (laughs) that'd be so damn good that'd be the dodgeball reunion again that that's steve the pirate and then the the dude that loves sports is there a cooler scene than wolverine having to take down the all the SWAT team by himself. Okay. That is that is everything we've ever wanted from Blood Bloodless. Character. Maybe some blood would have helped, but this was the most the best bloodless <laughs> well, you can you you can also equate that to like they're wearing like heavy tactical, ass tactical vests, yeah and stuff like that. Tactical yeah, gear. And and he's not like you know like he, he's not like slashing like arms off and heads off. He's just stabbing them in the chest. I specifically remember the two fists in the chest, you know, yep. in and out stuff. And I was just like, man, like by himself, because he's he's making all the other students run for cover. And he's just like, and we're seeing how deadly these guys are because they're shooting kids with trank darts, you know, like they don't give a damn. And sometimes you need a villain that's that kind of diabolical. It's, it's up to the film to show that even if our heroes are flawed, that there's an evil way worse. And I think they do that with Stryker. Like they, it's almost like they show you Magneto in one, and they're like, "Oh no, it gets way worse." <laughs> like this, this guy wants basically a mutant a genocide. This guy wants to kill every mutant that exists, um, like they're nothing, and go back to quote. But, but the way he does it, the way he does, he succeeds for a second. Yeah. Thank, thank God for the brother, the Brotherhood of Mutants, because it's like, all right. We have to stand up. Imagine saying that shit, right? Thank God to the Brotherhood of Mutants. No, because at because at the end of the day, like it's like it's like race on race crime. We can fight each other all day for our political ideologies, but these crazy white men are coming into our Sioux Falls territory, talking about they want Pocahontas. Like you know, like race wars is race wars, and race wars will just always be a thing between man. But other right, other. When other. others come in, you have to yeah, stand other. with yourself. So thank God for the brotherhood of brotherhood of mutants saying, "Nah, we gotta, we gotta help out the X Men." No. Yeah, and I, 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 the convert, um, like, like I said, this is where I feel like the the black and white of one starts to kind of get wavy, 
you know, where you realize that not everybody who is good is great and not everybody who's bad is terrible. Um, where, where we're willing to work alongside characters like Magneto and stuff moving forward. And Magneto, I think his best film is probably three. Um, because he actually gets if we're to talking McKellen wise. Yeah. McKellen wise. Yeah. I think he gets to vocalize more in this, but again, you want to talk about like, like, um, legendary scenes, him in the plastic prison, the iron in the blood. Like, no, if you've oh seen that, God. you're never oh, gonna, yes. you're never gonna, um, forget that. That was such a cool and badass moment. And they knew it was badass and they gave it to somebody that we're not supposed to like. So, you know, your mind is already going, whoa. I mean, I don't like him, but whoa, that's fucking cool. I mean, really I don't agree it. with him. The problem is, is music is, it, it is itself scientific. It's a chemistry. Music helps enhance things. Yeah. Every, every scene, every, every moment you could be cleaning your house to complete silence and it'd be the most tedious, boring, <laughs> dumbest thing ever. But the second yeah. you start throwing on some music, you're like, now you're dancing with the broom and all of a sudden you're sweeping stuff up while you're dancing. You're like, so to have Magneto break out of prison, you're like, oh my God, no, Magneto's out of prison, Magneto's out of prison. But then you get this bad ass classical music, Beethoven score that's just like, up like like it sounds like it's a cover from like a harmonic yeah. overseas like some like a london harmonic and, he, and he's doing the arms crossed and the metal oh balls are just swinging God. around him badass 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 that's just what that uh ends up being so x2 definitely there. some death with with um lady death strike Oh my god, yeah, I completely forgot about it. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get two you get two adamantium people fighting each other in this. I mean, even the idea of like chaining Brian Cox, stabbing him, and then leaving him to die from a, t- a tidal wave or whatever, that's kind of jacked up when you Yo, think that about was it. Sick. Um all, all like great stuff. So uh X2, I mean in a, se- in a yeah. sense they had to kill a they had to kill a mutant in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the move. And and they did adapt from a pretty dark Claremont book. So I always remember, um, um, you know, find the mutants, find them, find them, find the mutants, find, find them, them kill them, find them all. Then just one voice goes, "Kill them." <laughs> Very low. It just says, "Kill the mutants." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god!" They just slip, slip it, it's some. It's some Stephen King shit. It's it's it in the moon talking to freaking the 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 dude in the mental hospital. Kill them all. Kill them all. Yeah. Burn or any voice in your head, right? Like burn, burn, set things on fire, burn it. Um, kick that dog. But, Just do it. Yeah. Just kick it. <laughs> but yeah, that's that, that's why X two is on my list. Uh, what do you have over there, sir? All right. So I was I, I I was really stopping myself from like adding movies that I grew up loving that I that I knew as soon as I got as an adult that they weren't as good. Because I almost added movies like Daredevil and, Fan- and the first Fantastic Four. I actually thought Daredevil was going to be on your list, to be honest. And yeah, you I mean, you could be unapologetic if you dig it. Like, you know. Yeah. No, because but, the problem is, is looking at Charlie Cox's Daredevil and that entire world that Drew Goddard gave us. Yeah. And then looking back at the Affleck stuff. And it's like, even with Favreau doing his absolute best as foggy nelson it's it's just not that same it's just matrix bro it's it's, it's just matrix that's all it is it's just the uh, techno and evanescence and trinity is electra Bike. and neo is fucking thing and agent smith is uh, bullseye it's, fetish. it's brooding 
it, it, it's angst. It's adult. It's worse than teen angst. It's adult angst. There is how many. Oh, yeah, they're grown ass men. Yeah, everyone in there is a grown ass like, man. <laughs> like, how, how many establishing shots are we going to get of Daredevil just brooding on a rooftop? Right. Like, just, yeah. oh, like, and, and, and someone could say, oh, but look at the Charlie Cox series. It's just him just beat the fuck up in his bedroom. But, but you believe it. You believe it, yeah, don't you? Like, you just believe right. it more. I feel like, like I feel like it's earned. Like you were talking about before with the earning. I feel like it's more earned. No, and then he just he just ostensibly just gets more beat up as not just the episodes go and as the season goes, but as the series progresses. By the time you get to season three, he's literally a broken man to the point yeah. he can't even use his powers. He has to like clog out his unclog his nose with a tea kettle, like. And then for me, but, you know, with the cards as far as like comic book accuracy and stuff. I didn't know who Stick was until um, the Daredevil series. And, and now... What's his Terrence stamp was yeah. Stick in Electra. But now knowing how significant he is to the story, it's like, you didn't put him in the movie, bro? Like, why Why didn't you put him in the movie? Like, what, they, what, they, what they basically did is they basically said, you know what, we're just going to like fast forward his entire... <laughs> All his development, all of his character development, right? We're gonna pass for, we're gonna pass, we're gonna pass. We montage the moments where a man who was completely able-bodied has to struggle to in this new handicap. As a matter of fact, we make it look like it's fun. We make it look like it's fun. (laughs) We make it look like it's it's a blast. It's hard, man. Not only that they didn't, not only was that they montage it, but they montaged it with Ben Affleck's deadpan narration of. My sight was gone, but my senses, they became something else. And, and I'm just like, oh, my God, is this like the blueprint for Ollie Queen's like narration and arrow? Like, and, and then when you watch the director's cut, it's even worse because they, they add like 15 extra minutes to, his bringing, to him being brought up as a kid. But they still, oh, yes, yes. They still did nothing. with his, There was no character development in the Daredevil. That's why. I can't, I can't, for as much as I truly do love the film, I do. I don't, I do know it's a bad film, but I just, it's like one of those films that you can't help but love. But here's one of those films that I personally don't think is a bad film. A film that actually has Daredevil in. A film that is probably going to surprise everybody. We're going to go a little bit backwards. Oh dear. Oh no. You went there? I had a feeling you might. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Let them know. One of the best <laughs> Marvel non-MCU movies of all time <sighs> is Trial of the Incredible Hulk. You Trial of the Incredible Hulk. No one can argue that it is a bad film. First of all, this is this is a sequel to the end of the series. So anybody that got left off with a sour taste in their mouth of what happened to Bruce Banner, because the series literally ends with this man hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. Bill Bixby's just hitchhiking to, to the loneliest man in the world soundtrack. Right. That, that was one of the benefits was that we, we reviewed that uh, because of the, the era it was in, we would assume that it was going to be bad. And it actually wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. And I mean, know, there was a bit, it had a bit of like, a, like I said, snags from the era, you know, but okay, when you consider was, some of the, the highs, I think the highs are better than the lows. 100%. There, I, I, I would say towards the end of the movie, where there was about maybe 20 minutes left, I started feeling that it dragged a little when they're in like the warehouse and like Daredevil is like like being like hit with all the Sonic's blasts from Kingpin. 
Yeah. And Hulk is not even Hulk yet. Bill Bixby is just walking around trying to like save the chick that gets kidnapped. Like there was certain moments where you're just like, ugh, that's weird. But my man Gimli from Lord of the Rings as Kingpin, one of the one of my favorite Kingpins in, in all of just anything Marvel. Like, yes, we all know Vinny D is the man. Vinny D is a god, straight S tier. But yeah, my is. bro, but my dude from Dom DeLuise? Was that was that who it was there? Was it no, Dom DeLuise? Um, <laughs> oh, his, his name's like no, I, I'll find some it. Shit. R- Rise Davies? Rise Davies or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, John Rice, John Rice, John Rice Davies. Yes, he's Gimli in Lord of the Rings. That's the only yes, other is. place that I know him from is Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh. But it does. Well, you know what? You, what? What I truly have to credit this movie to is it was directed by Bill Bixby. So this is someone that has been playing Hulk for I th- maybe I think up to like at least seven, eight years at this point. He's been mm-hmm. playing. He's been playing David Banner. So if anybody can know the direction of where his character should go after the series concludes, it would be him. Yeah. So here he at Quality so have, Control. So we have David Banner directing himself. We're bringing in Matt Murdock. I had no idea Matt Murdock was in this damn movie. I had right. no idea. So when he pops up, I'm like, holy crap. And then they give us him as Daredevil, and they give us the freaking Frank Miller 90 before. Before Frank Miller's Man Without Fear. Yep. We got Blind Justice. We, 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 we got it in here in Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And as much as Marvel wants to say that it was a coincidence that this is technically the debut of the ninja costume, I don't want to hear it. This is no, it's this. Yeah, that, that Trial of the Incredible Hulk. As we found out after the fact, um, you know, Daredevil has worn black before, but this idea of a makeshift black outfit... That just kind of covers his eyes because he doesn't really need them. And that's um, the best part. It's the it's the way his entire top half of his head is like completely covered. It was very weird to see that after seeing the show. The scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you go, oh, so like there was there's a foundation here. We didn't just kind of p- pick this up out of nowhere, which I think is pretty um And even if you can even if you can say that they did take a lot of Frank Miller's 90s stuff. For the Charlie Cox show, that like you say, that there is a foundation here of oh my god, this actually isn't the live action debut of the of his young days as a ninja. That was in the eighties of all things, the eighties. And I genuinely love the story where it's just David Banner is on on his own, just uh, the loneliest man in the world. He ends up on a subway where a gang where a gang of kingpins people. Which I guess would be predating the tracksuit mafia. You could almost yeah, say that yeah. they're like the blueprint of the tracksuit mafia. They're they're about to rape a woman. He turns into Hulk, and then he gets arrested when he's back as David Banner because they think he's the one that did everything. So the fact that we have Hulk on trial and and Matt Murdock is defending him. Yeah, and they have and conversations about about each other, you know, each other's struggles and what each other's are going through, which is something again, the idea of seeing these characters together, let alone having conversations about stuff, we 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 were never we never thought we'd get there and we got there before I was born, technically. <laughs> so Yeah. Because it was like eighty seven? Yeah. I wanna say hey, eighty seven, I was born eighty nine, so yeah. Before we even before again, before the Avengers, they they were seemingly doing something up there. 
They're getting something ready. They, they had these ideas. They really did. They genuinely had ideas, and they had a lot of good with a lot of bad. But yeah. I think this is one of this is one of the few Marvel movies where I genuinely believe not only is it underrated and niche as all hell because this was a made for TV movie. This isn't something that got a box office release. Yeah. But I genuinely think for what it did in its time for the characters that it was giving us, one of the best one of the best portrayals of comic book characters that in Marvel that's not MCU. That's definitely why it made my list. No, because we, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. we get all of the, the psychological warfare that, that um the MCU Hulk went through. We see the Netflix Charlie what Charlie Cox went through. So to see these guys together in the 80s doing it and, and like bonding over it, beautiful. No, yeah, oh, it's huge. Beautiful. And like I said, like you would think you would have needed a Kevin Feige to get something like that put together. And we, we're seemingly kind of getting hints of a bigger universe prior to that. So yeah. Fucking, you want to talk about trailblazing? You can't even argue and against that. I think that. it wanted to be a back. It, I think it serviced as a backdoor pilot to a Daredevil show. Like it want that never wanted, happened. Yeah, yeah, a Daredevil show that never that happened. That guy to be Daredevil. So the reason why this, it's funny because this could almost be a first Daredevil movie than anything more than Hulk because this generally was a Daredevil story. Yeah, because they wanted to be the backdoor pilot. Poor, I wish I I would have loved it. It, and like I said, you know, you you talk about that Daredevil from there, and we also had um, Ben Affleck's, and it was up to Charlie Cox to kind of like Charlie Cox had big shoes to fill. He could have he could have he could have fell short of both of these iterations, um, but he actually kind of surpassed them. And it takes a fucking lot to do that. It takes a lot to come back in and fill somebody else's shoes, which leads me to my third. Uh, iteration, the thing, third thing on my list. You want to talk about some big shoes to fill? Were there any bigger shoes to fill than I don't know Patrick Stewart's, Ian McKellen's? But we had some good shoe fillers and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. X Men First Class, ladies and gentlemen. That's definitely is, both on our list. I, yeah. and you know, it's so it's so it's so funny because I didn't. I was going to say it after you said X two, but it's like I don't want to do two. X Men. I just did two X Men back to back. Yeah. So, so but like, we can talk about it. We can talk about it though, both of us, oh, because man, Jeez. like, uh, after X Men three, which or X Men the Last Stand. There's no such thing as X three. The X Men the Last Stand, um, and then like right after X Men the Last Stand, we get Origins. So it's like, what is going on over here? Like you guys are kind of muttering the orders. But then there's a glimmer of light. There's a glimmer of hope. We get X-Men First Class, a no-nonsense, very cut and, you know, cut to the point, cut to the chase kind of film that serves as an origin for the entire team. And I thought it was so well done. I thought McAvoy was a great Professor X, but I think Michael Fassbender is the star of, of this new iteration of X-Men. He literally carried the entire New Age X-Men yeah. right down to Dark Phoenix. Yeah, he carried it. He car he had the best performance in Apocalypse when his daughter dies. Yeah, one of the best performances. Where even I'm like, damn, I I actually feel for this guy. Mm -hmm. Dude, screaming in the woods. Is this what I am? Is this what you want from me? Just screaming to the heavens. Because no I'm matter like, what, he just goes right back to where he, he has to be the mo no matter what he has to be the monster. And even in Dark Phoenix, they they almost made him. The monster because it's like, oh, you killed Raven? Well, now I got to kill Gene, which puts me at odds with with Xavier once again. 
Yeah. So it's not, so it's not it's like, oh, here we go. Brother. Extremely, extremely innovative to take what was possibly one of the best, um, you know, like the way we start. I think the best thing about the first X-Men film is how it starts. I think the introduction of child Magneto and the idea that we would then move on like right after the gate pulling, the gate ripping or whatever, and see him have to talk to Kevin Bacon's character, um, Sebastian Shaw. So cool. So cool because everyone remembers that moment where that kid, you know, is screaming out for his mom and made the gates move at, at, in the Holocaust. Like, all of that's fucked. Like, all of that and, imagery's fucked. And this is where, where Ke- this scene alone is where Kevin Bacon solidifies himself as one of the best comic book villains in all of media. Because, like, when he's just, he's just so casually and calm, like, listen, move the coin or I'm going to shoot your mom. Not going to move the coin. All right. I'm gonna shoot your mom. Then he then not only does he move the coin, he he crushes the bell and he's just like, ah. Yeah, everything else is shaking around him. Like he could damn near die. And he's like, oh, that's what I wanted to see. Good work. Wonderful. Bro. Wonderful. Because he knows that anything that hits him, he's just gonna absorb that energy. No fear. Just, yeah, so he has no fear. So he's just seeing all the, the men heads getting crushed. Yeah. Like and he's just and like, the, ah, nice, wonderful. That's that's Magneto's big thing, both in the comics and in the original trilogy, is this idea that he knows what the worst of mankind is. He's actually felt it by being segregated for being born a certain kind of way as a as Not a Jewish only are you person. Born a mutant, but you're born a Jewish mutant in the 1940s in, in in Europe. You know, like in, in Europe, Europe, like yes. all, you're, all you're, of that. You're, he's Polish. Yeah, all of that is just. There's so many layers on top of that. And, you know, one could, you could forgive somebody for not really getting it because at, when we see it, it's 60 odd years past the event and it's only mentioned in spurts. But in this, you feel the rage of a man and you kind of are rooting for him. You understand how screwed and, and messed up the people who treated him the way he was treated were and you kind of want him to go on this like blood-filled revenge spree and the idea that the only person that could talk him down is charles xavier and that's why they've always been boys like you know there's something tragic in all of that i don't i don't get it how their chemistry is so pure and perfect that first moment where they're meeting and he's like, like, listen to me. You have to calm your mind. He's like, I thought I was alone. You're not alone, but you yeah. have to calm your mind. I'm, I'm just like wiping tears away. When, 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 when Charles is showing. Well, the him, first time they meet is the submarine stuff, right? Yes. So he's, and he's like, like, somebody's he, holding on, and they're gonna drown. He's, he's like, you gotta let, like, yeah. you gotta let go, bro. He's like, I, but I'm right there. I got it. No, you don't, bro. Like this, like, no, can drag you down he, with it. He wrapped. The, it's, it's Matthew Vaughn at his finest because. He had he had the McAvoy grip his chest like you see Charles like grip his body tight and say mm-hmm. I know what this means to you but you're going to die calm your mind and even now that I'm saying it I'm tearing up because it's like how the fuck yeah. is there is there bond it's it's almost like you want to see them get married and just have the greatest love life for like the, the love be, the way that those two actors were able to show a brotherhood love mm-hmm. throughout the, the franchise too. Even when they were older, even McKellen and, and Stewart together. Like that's what I'm saying. I feel like those were the, you know, that's the inspiration to get them kind of there. They have to, you, it, 
um, you can kind of believe it based on your own comic knowledge, wh- why they are there. Like, there's a very particular moment that I remember in X3 where I think Pyro says something a bit about... I was going to bring that up. It was Xavier. in my head already. Yep. Yeah, about Xavier. And he's like, you you better not. Like, that's my boy. Like, he's a like, braver man than you would ever. the old man if you gave me the chance. He's like, listen, that man did more for mutants than you will ever know before you even born. That man's yeah. been fighting for mutants, like so. It's like a weird respect, even though they try to kill each other in many in many instances. Well, they they always call each other old friends. They yeah. always they're never. That's the beauty of their their comic book creation. They're not Batman and Joker. They're not Green Goblin and Spider Man. They're literally humans are not bad. Humans are bad. Humans are not bad. Humans are not like it's yeah. But no, humans are bad, and then you show the Holocaust tattoo and you're like, like how could you it? argue against me like i literally went through it um and you know uh that whole submarine thing yeah like, i'm sorry i'm sorry to cut you no, off no, you're it's, good. Just, it, it's just look at the way the juxtaposition of how we got introduced to both these characters where you have magneto being brought up in the holocaust and charles being brought up in a literal mansion silver spoon yeah yeah so it and so it's like you'll never understand what i why i am like this you'll never understand Right. And it's like, well, I I went to college with humans. Oh yes, but you. Have, that's the problem. Is Charles is Charles doesn't have an outward mutant ability. No yeah. one can look at Charles and know he's a mutant. Which was that was Raven's beef. Remember? She's yeah. Like I'm, I gotta live with this. Like this is, you know, uh, on the outside, this is just what it is. Uh, and even when we were talking about that submarine scene, you know, him getting drugged down. Um, it's it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for revenge and how revenge can drag you down with it. Like if you if you are hell bent on making the people in your life pay and that's all you care about, you're gonna end up right with them. Like that's just that's where you because revenge doesn't fill you. It never does. It makes you feel better slightly because you think that there's like a law and order in the world, but it doesn't it doesn't fulfill you. And I think some people will go to their graves trying to you know enact Most some sort of die revenge. For revenge. That's the yeah. Revenge always has one cost, death. Yeah. Revenge will always have the cost of death, and most people die for their revenge. I right. don't and, care. And we, I, I'm almost certain no one ever told Eric that they didn't want him to die. No. As a matter of fact, he fought that. many people trying to kill him <laughs> over the years, you know? And all of a sudden, one person tells you, I, I don't want you to die, bro. Like, you don't, it, your life doesn't have to be only about this. You understand? Help me help others. And, and that's always the beauty of it. Is like, there's more to you than just rage. There's yeah. good in you. I felt it. Like, you can tap into that. It's like the Between only, serenity the and rage, right? Person. That was the, That's the line? He wants them yep. to sit between serenity and rage? The, that, little, like, that little line. That perfect and, and then the betrayal. The betrayal, quote unquote, right? Um, the coin through the head. Awesome moment. You know, you got a crossroads for um, Eric. He has revenge right there in front of him. Will he listen to his best friend or will he do what he what he kind of came here to do? And he does. He chooses to kill um, Sam. Oh, Shaw with the quarter. And, and one of the best ways where he's like, listen, man, I love you, but I just don't trust you. And he puts the helmet on. It's like, I love you, man, but I don't trust you. I got to do. But Charles let. Charles is a weird one because he could have let it go at any moment. Mm-hmm. Dude was dead. Once once it broke, once it broke in, that's it. That's your frontal lobe. Yeah. You're dead. So no and he had what, to feel that because he was attached to him, because he was freezing him. And I think he didn't 
that's what's weird is like he allowed it. He still allowed it. He gave him the choice and then allowed, then continued to like, you know, if it's if that's the choice you're gonna make, then let me just take all of this pain in a John Coffey style way. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was just, it's just a weird decision. Like, and as much as I've now learned of the Charles in the comics, I think they did a really great job with McAvoy as Charles. Like, if Charles really is a, a not so good of a person in the comics, like if he's like kind of an asshole, like I've come to learn. Mm-hmm. Then McAvoy definitely played the perfect Charles. Yeah, I, and I think like that you're meant to see, and that's how best comic books are. Like they, like the best comic books show that it's not all black and white. It's not just I'm good, so I deserve to kill you, and you're bad, so you deserve to die. It's more like there's shades of gray, and we should try to be the best towards each other. But it's gonna be really, really hard. It's gonna be rough. Um, you know, the montage of them trying out their powers was fun. You know, even though there's the idea of living as a mutant is so dour. I always love when people are having fun with their new powers or having fun mastering them. Even when you see like Eric, who's been using his powers his whole life, seemingly still has stuff to learn from Xavier about calming his mind and using his powers. Um, it, it's, it's everything I wanted. And I think the, the icing on the cake is the introduction of um, the Magneto helmet. Like this idea that it was something that Shaw used and Magneto took it from the guy who took everything from him. Uh, just is the snake eating its own tail? It's just chef's kiss. Matthew Vaughn's uh, X Men First Class. It's just good shit, man. Oh, it 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 it's it's beautiful shit, and it's and, and it it leads you to start falling in love with those gray area superheroes and those gray mm-hmm. area superhero moments. And 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 thinking of those, I tend to think of one of my favorite moments in gray area superhero media is season two of Daredevil. Right? We're gonna go back to my man Charlie Cox for a second. <laughs> That moment where where um where the old man is break is going onto the roof to see what's going on with the ruckus between uh Frank and yeah. Daredevil and Frank's like I'm and, gonna kill him and, and, he's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> and he has his hand behind his back and and he and Daredevil can hear like the chamber being like cocked and yeah. he can hear like he, the fact that he could literally hear like the jeans like stretching as the gun releases from it's like come on please please Frank don't just yeah, I'm t- and he's whispering. Like, I'm gonna blow desperately, him away. desperately. He's just yeah. To come, please, Frank. He's, he he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like an old man. Like those moments tend to get me, and I love as much as I love John Bernthal as Punisher. To me, still the best. Punisher you getting crazy day. today, huh? You getting crazy today? I'm telling you, <laughs> we're gonna, we're co- we're covering it soon. We're covering it in the fall, and I can't wait for you to finally see how amazing this movie is. Punisher Warzone is it's action packed. It's it's Frank Castle. It's the best of Frank Castle to the bones. You get you get uh, what's his name, uh, Gadget or whatever his name is, wheelchair dude. Oh, uh, micro, micro, micro. Gadget. Yeah, you, <laughs> you get micro and yeah. micro played by Wayne Knight of all people in one one of his one of his best roles. You get Jigsaw. And and the creation of Jigsaw in this movie is it will li- I'm not gonna say a word, but the cre- the way Jigsaw becomes Jigsaw in this movie will literally have you covering your eyes like it is sickness. I, I will say this: this is a movie that Dan has said we should cover so much that it's now officially on the schedule for major issues. He literally has been trying to. Uh, 
he's been talking singing this this movie's praises but as you can tell from us covering this for the uh, 10th anniversary of the avengers we usually try to talk tackle things around anniversaries and stuff like that so um it just hasn't been the moment to cover it but we will be covering it this year so i can't say absolutely anything on punisher war zone because i haven't seen it all i do know is it should be said that this was directed by a woman this was a female directed uh action film from for marvel not many of those around bro there's not many female directed marvel films out there in general um i think Captain oh, they Marvel? had a bunch of strong. They had actually a couple of strong female leads in this movie. Now that I'm thinking, I believe about it. it. I believe it. I believe at it. At least, at least, at the most, three: a a, a widow, her daughter, and a female cop. They, what do you think about not- Ray Stevens? Oh my God, he is a wonderful, wonderful Frank Castle. Because one, he has the slick back hair that I need. He has. He mm-hmm. actually has. Um, I hear the thing is. I'm not I'm not that much of a nitpicker, but I will nitpick about certain things. And I'm sorry, but my Frank Castle deserves shoulders, a chest, and to look like you literally have to say yes, drill sergeant to him. Okay. And Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane looks like one of those like special black op guys that like only get hired once a year but make like fifty million dollars a contract killing. Like, like I don't buy and Thomas Jane is blonde. My Punisher is not blonde. Yeah, he was like, no, I thought he was blonde for the. Isn't he blonde for that thing? Wasn't he blonde for? He was undercover, basically. Wasn't he? He was undercover. (laughs) Yeah, he still had such a. But it's still it's the Charlie Cox effect. His hair was just so light brown. Yeah, like like his hair was very. And and I think Thomas Jane was losing his hair. I think my man was thinning a little bit. But Ray Ray Stevens is imposing. He's wearing like tactical like straight up tactical armor with no helmet but his armor all of his armor is spray painted with the skull when you first get introduced to this character you have a, it, it looks like something out of rick and morty remember the the purge episode of rick and morty yeah where yeah all of the all the socialites are just around breakfast and then rick and the chick just come in and lay waste it that's feels good the, yeah it's basically the opening of this movie it's in the trailer where you just where all these socialite people are around a dinner table then the lights go out and then a flare a red flare goes off and you just see ray stevenson there with this bulky uh, tactical armor and then just start laying waste sounds like, like batman a little movie. bit <laughs> there's a little bit of batman in that because that's what batman remember he uh you guys have eaten oh, too no, well for no, too long kind of <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna see it, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, did they take inspiration from this?" Because there is literally a moment where it's just all black, flare black armor. So right. it's it's it is good. The movie is good. I think it's one hundred percent better than the two thousand and three. I think Jigsaw is a way more entertaining and palatable mm. villain than damn John Travolta, who at that point in two thousand and three is just off of Battlefield Earth. And to doing Michael and Phenomena, and pretty soon Freaking, he does from from yeah. Paris with Love. It's wild like, hogs. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna get closer oh, to oh, wild what hogs? Was the with, uh, what was the one he did with the uh, Robin Williams old dogs? They, they were yes. Robin Williams. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. But uh. But that's my that's my third pick. My third pick is I think definitely Punisher Warzone is one of the best non MCU Marvel movies because for what it does. For character adaptation to where 
you you watch Punisher Warzone before you watch the Punisher show, you're going to be like, oh, especially if you love Punisher Warzone and you jump into the Burnthal show, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing. You're not missing a beat. You're not skipping any beats to as if you was to watch the, the Dolph Lundgren one or the Thomas Jane one and then go into Burnthal. You're like, whoa, this is this is night and day. Like these aren't men with codes. This is the biggest thing about Punisher. Punisher they didn't try to clean him up. They didn't try to clean him up to yeah, get him to fit the world. Something he's not. It's a, it, it's like almost it, it's almost as disrespectful as having damn David Hasselhoff play Nick Fury. <laughs> mm. Yes, people, that happened, by the way. David Hasselhoff. Movie happened in like the 90s with David Hasselhoff. So eye patch and all. So there you go. Um I yeah, I mean I, I haven't seen it. I but I trust your uh opinion. I I respect your opinion. Um uh, it might be there. I, what I'm gonna, I truly what, do. What I'm gonna do there is I'm gonna take possibly one from your list again. Uh because it wasn't on my list until you brought it up recently and I said, How the hell is this not on my list? Um if if my number one wasn't so number one. This would probably be my opinion of the greatest uh, non-MCU Marvel film, and that is 2016's Daredevil. Oh, sorry, Deadpool. <laughs> yes. I, I, yes. Think, I think if I didn't have such an affinity for my number one, I could not argue if people had Deadpool as the best um, comic book uh, or Marvel comics uh, movie. Not saying well, thank the you for, for grabbing it because then that allows me to do because I was I def, that definitely was my next pick. Yeah, 100%. I knew I, I had a feeling it was. I actually thought it was your number one. I'm now I'm very curious as what your number one is. Oh man, you're you, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna gonna fucking everyone's head's gonna explode when they hear my number one actually, which oh, I, truly, I truly actually think deserves to be number one. But let's uh, let's fillet Mr. Reynolds for a bit because this was a film that was in developmental hell. This was a film that ten years um, for like ten, this. He was promised this before he had Green Lantern. Yeah, yep. That's how crazy this is. And he actually played a version of the character, Lantern. right? He played a version of the character about five years prior. No, even more, se- seven years prior to this film coming out. We're talking about two thousand nine was X was Origins. Yeah, seven one. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was supposed to get his own. We waited so long. To the point that all we had to go off was him voicing that test footage cartoon. And we and used to joke around. Remember, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, it would be so great. Like, he fits it so well whenever, if ever, we were to get it. It was like a joke. Like, oh, you know, that Deadpool stuff would be really cool if it were to come out. And then it came out and it blew everyone out of the water. It was the highest grossing um R-rated, uh, R-rated movie film domestically. Domestically, because across the earth, the highest rating R-rated movie is Passion of the Christ. And he said he couldn't beat Jesus. <laughs> oh no, no, no. No, what it was is no, they were the high they're the highest grossing R-rated movie overseas where there is no Jesus. They is that what it domestic- is? Yeah, Passion of the Christ beat them domestically. They won highest grossing R-rated movie overseas and the joke was where they don't believe in Jesus or where there the, is no Jesus. The budget was 58 million and they made 782 million. Jesus Christ. Jesus I saw that shit like six times because when I saw it and the way it just first of all it started with it with the damn test footage. So the fact that they actually threw it out the way it's like you know what we're just gonna give you the test footage. 
Here you go. Yeah. Here it is. Here's the trailer. But, po but polished and comedic, and um, you How know, did you this man. Like, the opening, the opening credits already, you know, parodying opening credits. Um, just, just written the, all, by the, God's uh, the real hero, written by the real heroes here, starring starring God's, God's favorite idiot. perfect idiot. Yeah, um, uh, Ryan Reynolds is great in this. I, you know, my boo is uh, Marina oh, Baccarin. She's, she's God, God damn it, untouchable in this. Possibly, quite possibly, she is. She's a a goddess, she is a woman. Goddess. She is a woman written by a man. I will say that, but per damn near perfect and a sex worker, but they don't turn their nose up at it. Uh, you know, he didn't try to save her from sex work life. You know, there was no, never and it's that. so funny when he found out that she was a sex worker and he still paid to rent her in a sense. He yeah. Place feeble. Yeah. It's like, I could have, yep. I like, I, I could have gotten an hour with you in bed, but I rather play skee-ball with you. Let's put some balls in some holes. Balls and holes. And, you know, as much as it is a woman written by a guy, it didn't feel cheesy, misogynistic, right. sexist. Okay, yes, she is a, a, a she's a love interest, so she's going to be a sex, a sexy sex symbol in right. the eyes of a guy. Mm -hmm. That's just how it's going to be. You know, listen, you know, girls want to act like their lifetime movies don't have shirtless, hus hunky men wearing yeah. cowboy hats, riding horses in Montana. It's for the audience. It's definitely it's for, for the, the audience, audience, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. for the audience. Cow Cowboy Bob riding a horse with no shirt on. Yeah, that's for the audience. But what it was, it it feels almost dreamlike. Like if a guy, if a girl came into a guy's life, this would be like the the kind of girl he would want. Right, right. But you also have to be the kind of confident, cool, suave, sexy guy you are to get a girl like. You gotta be the Ryan Reynolds. Vanette. You gotta be the. Yeah. But no, you don't have to be Ryan Reynolds. You gotta be like. Ryan Reynolds. Well, um, what is it? Uh, you don't have to be a hero to get the girl. The right girl will make you feel like a hero or something yep. along those lines. Um, yep. I saw this movie three times in cinemas. I took several different females to watch it. They all loved it. This was a movie that went across gen genders, uh, genres. To make the amount of money that it made shows how just well received it was across the board. And now everyone is pretty set on Ryan Reynolds being their Deadpool. But I remember... Also could you right. argue that this is the most anticipated solo comic book movie? Like, I would, I could say that. Non MCU wise, where MCU it literally follows a universe and story, and you know you're gonna get four of these characters solo movies, and then it's the team up movie. Like specifically right. as a solo character that we didn't even think would have X Men in the movie. Is this the most anticipated like comic? I think this is the most anticipated comic book movie of yeah. ages. Yeah, yeah. When you consider how long we've had been teased about teased for it about it, and the hype never died. That's no. the beautiful part. The hype has been there for ten years. I think strategically, Marvel just started putting Deadpool in more things. Like he started popping up in Spider Man's cartoon, right? And he started popping up. Um, he had his own video game before the film came out. Like they were. Oh, really, that game was amazing. Yeah, they were really finding a way to introduce the character little by little into all of our mainstream Marvel stuff. Uh, to get ready for this film and then when it caps off it, it's great the jokes about like um superhero stuff had just been done to death at that point it was two years shy from the 10 year anniversary of the mcu um and there was just a bunch of stuff just to make fun of when it comes to the superhero genre and they did not pull any punches so that was really really cool uh to see them do but i think that um 
I think it, it can be held as the best if you wanted to. I'm not going to argue against it if somebody had it as their number one. Um, the action, the laughs, it's a, a joke a minute. And even if everyone doesn't hit, wait a minute, and you'll get a joke that does. Like, just... oh, this is definitely will forever be solidified on the top five best comic book movies of all time. Yeah. Like, this, like there, there's no if ands, or buts around it because not only did this man, he, he, it, how do you even explain that he is the perfect adaptator? Yeah. He did, Ryan Reynolds did it. He did yeah. better than anybody else. Like he, he literally brought this character to life in a trailer in seconds without even having to wear the costume. You just know who Ryan Reynolds is. And, and instead like, of, yeah. instead of like protesting and boohooing the things they couldn't do, they made jokes about them in universe. You know, they made jokes in universe about how, well, this is a Fox X-Men film. They probably should be more X-Men. You know, and there's no ex. There's like what there's Negatonic and Colossus. You know, they they make jokes about budget. They make jokes about the non-linear way of telling the story. Um, all conventions that they used to that's just lazy writing. Yeah, to get this out and under a certain budget, but also you can't tell. There's nothing in this. I'm like, wow, they really skimped out on you know this fight scene or this thing. It all works so well. It it's entertaining. I can't even think of a lull. I can't think of a moment where it just kind of just stops. I feel like it's full steam ahead from the beginning to no, the end. The, no, the, the whole thing about that first movie is for the runtime it is, well, like two hours, 15 minute, like type of runtime. The it's... movie is... Sorry. Continue because I just thought I had it, but I don't have it. it 108 it, it, minutes. So it's under two hours. So about under, so about under two hours, that movie feels like 30 minutes. The, the first Deadpool, especially the first Deadpool movie, because it's like the when it starts, it just starts with gunfire. It starts with jokes. Then you get then you get sex montage and then origin happening. And then all of a sudden you you're listening to Captain Deadpool. and You're like, where did we how did we get here so quickly? Making fun Every of blind people. Watch that movie. What? We're making fun of blind people. and <laughs> shit. Like <laughs> No one is like, off. There's, off the there's about 250 kilos buried in this apartment somewhere next to the cure for blindness. And I thought that was bullshit. And then you get to Deadpool 2. Yeah. And there literally and is literally a bunch of cocaine. And there's a cure for blindness in there. So, like, so funny. And like I said, um, at this point, Marvel had gotten super serious in the best way. Marvel had gotten super serious about its brand, about its universe, and had all that situated. To have Deadpool come in and kind of parody all that and even make jokes at the DC Universe's expense, we needed that. We needed someone to to vent some of the air that, you know, was getting propped up with this universe. So, yeah, man, Deadpool. I that, all that, the way, Captain Deadpool. No, no, just Deadpool. What you what you got next, brother? All right, so so I I I, I racked my brain of what do I true what do I truly think is is a not just a great not would be my favorite but what is Marvel at its absolute best? What it what do I what do I feel is Marvel at its absolute shining light? Mm-hmm. And I, and you have to think about what, what does light do? Light illuminates. And when it illuminates, what do you see? You see colors. And colors show you everything. And what is more colorful and what's more telling than the best Spider-Man movie of all time? And that is Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, it is. I, I, I have I've, I've tried... To, to refrain myself from using animation, but I could not, especially since this movie won an Oscar, 
for what for what it does to Spider-Man lore, for what it does for a fan base, for a generation, a, a little black boy can grow up and say, I am Spider-Man. And even though, you know, identity politics shouldn't really control us and a little boy should be able to look at Peter Parker and be like, that's me. The, the fact that he gets to look at Miles Morales and see himself in the costume is, is beautiful. The soundtrack, the soundtrack is so passionately urban to where, where, where you feel that there was more than one voice of color behind this film. A hundred percent. There was no pandering. There's, there, there's no, there's, there's no like, um, uh, uh, political ideologies. There's, there's nothing about this movie that is imperfect. Everything is perfection in this movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's my number one, so I don't mind well, I sitting do, here I and cha- chopping it up about one, it. But I, I figured all's fair in love and war. All, all fair in love. I, I, there, there was, there's only really two more movies that I could have chose, and well, three more. And I don't want to put Deadpool two on here because on a, upon a rewatch, there was a lot of lulls and like you say with deadpool one there is no lulls but with deadpool two there's there's a lot of lulls that stops me from putting it and my number mm-hmm. one is still going to surprise the hell out of everybody so i i, I but I, I have i just have to take this quick time because i know you're going to praise it yourself I yes i will my little quick time to just praise it and now that it's been praised because i'm gonna let I- you i'm i'm gonna let you take over with with your number one so Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a, is a film that probably I ended up liking more because my initial expectations were extremely low. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and uh, it was it, it was probably my favorite superhero until I got super into Batman and got into more of the adult themes of Batman. Not saying that Spider-Man didn't have those themes, but I feel like the allure for Spider-Man when I was growing up was that he was a kid, and I'm a kid. And, it just, and he was from New York. I was from New York, all that kind of stuff. Um... But especially when those movies started coming out, I don't look like Peter Parker. You know, like my family is not like Peter Parker's family. I enjoyed being a fan of the character, but there were definitely some disconnects. Same way like I am with Superman, same way I am with Batman. Like, I like these guys, but they're not, like, I, I, they seem like more, more like my friends, not necessarily like this thing is talking to me. Someone that I can throw myself into. Right. Um, the, into the Spider-Verse blew me away. I think the innovation in animation, just the different kinds of animation that they were able to use for that. Um, the voice acting is tremendous. Um, and our Spider-Man, the Spider-Man that we know, Peter Parker, gets about five minutes of triumphant like uh, uh, personalization in this. Like he, he, only, he only is shown in like a big heroic light for about five minutes in this. And then he takes a backseat in the entire film to Miles Morales. Um, a half black, half Puerto Rican kid living in Brooklyn like that. I like I can't beat that. And um, and especially with, with the, the mother being Hispanic, yeah. And all the, and all the, the the little Hispanic intricacies that they threw into that character. So it's like you can see your mother speaking yeah. that way to you. He goes out of the he goes into the kitchen to run out to, for the door and gets a spoonful of arroz con gandules. Just yeah. takes a thick spoonful out, eats that, gets out of his house. They start playing reggaeton, and he's walking to school. Like that's just the the vibe and in the area the on the block. Street, but and you see the New York streets that you grew up because me, I personally, I grew up in in Queens. I, yeah. I'm I'm from Flushing, so the so a lot of the areas of the Peter Parker Spider Man 
those are my areas. I I, I know. No, totally. I, yeah. So especially like the way I was in high school, just this skinny skateboarder kid looking at Andrew Garfield. Yeah, it was something to to see myself into. But with this movie, I'm so glad that there can be a generation, there can be a group of boys that can grow up and say, oh, my God, this is what I do. Yeah. This is how my father is. This is how my mother is. And the fact that the kid is smart and going places and, and he's in like a boarding school, it's more than just be, okay, I'm from Brooklyn. I have to stay for the streets. Yeah. And they even show it with the Uncle Aaron, the juxtaposition between Aaron and, and Davis and Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Wow. Yeah, like the idea that writing. you may get out of the streets, but it does not everyone is lucky enough to do so. And Aaron felt like he that was the, the top of where he was going to get. And the idea that there would be an antagonist that is related to the protagonist is not something that's brand new, but we very rarely are we shown tender moments between them and then vicious moments after the fact. Um, I thought that the the way that they depicted the Prowler is one of the most terrifying depictions of any villain oh, I've ever just seen. Goes black, and then you see the purple, just eccentric. The lights, the way blur. the lights blare. Yeah, the the very primal sort of music that they give him, um, and then the way they show him like chasing after. Uh, he looks like an animal. He feels like a Prowler. It's almost like a cheetah, you know, behind him. Yeah, I was looking, um, I was looking at more like like jaguar, like. Well, black yeah. like panther like a panther type like yeah because he has like the talons but definitely an apex predator sort of 100 um and miles it seems like a rabbit like this cute you know cute innocent thing getting chased down by these claws and this noise and the motorcycle and these weapons um kingpin killing spider-man you know i i will never forget i'm literally getting goosebumps right now because i will never forget the depiction of how the world would take the death of spider-man that's something oh i'll never God. forget beautiful. i'll never forget it was that actually beautiful yeah and the thing is he means that to us like he means that to me normally so to see people in universe reacting to the in-universe idea that their spider-man died and the 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 uh memorials that get held for him um him going to get the spider-man suit from stan lee like all of that stuff like i you can't freaking beat it I and just when you think the most is the is is seeing mj and and aunt may just in oh, the yeah. rain right outside of saint patrick's cathedral in the city and it's like and we've damn. all been to St. Patrick's, man. Like I said, it's things that you know, it's things that you remember. Um, you, I love like Nick Cage is a treasure in this thing. Um, Spider Man Noir talking about the, the How is Rubik's your cube. Moving? There's no wind in here. Um, the wind smells like rain. <laughs> I like punching Nazis I and drinking uh, drinking egg creams. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise attack! <laughs> Surprise attack! So funny, so great. You're um, in the air when you smell a delicious pie. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, all, all the additional spider people, the introduction of Spider Gwen. There's a million of young little girls who now have a new favorite superhero because of that movie. You know, Spider Gwen, her entire um stock skyrocketed after this film. Um, and I think the best is the way that they introduced these characters with the comic book plopping on like the table it's like yeah. all right now let's do it again but for real this time let's do it again but a new it shows where it came from that it came from a place it came from a like, comic this is the actual spider gwen 2007 debut like this is like yes it's it's amazing no pun in, no all the puns in <laughs> you amazing. have 
you have a bunch of directors and studios that make these films and think that the best way to sell them is to get them as far away from comic books as possible, which is not the way to do it. This film unapologetically goes as comic book as it can. All the way from thought bubbles to dots that say bam and, and pow when people get hit. All of it's there. Um, and, you know, you're getting all of this. You're getting the cool music, all the visuals. Anytime, like, anytime they're web slinging or running, it, the lights, all of the graphics are just incredible. Um, and then you get What's Up Danger, which, which is, is possibly probably one of, yeah, yeah, it's one of the greatest comic book moments ever, truly. Of all, t- of, of all time. Um, because it shows that bravery doesn't mean you're not scared. Bravery means you're scared, but you're going to do it anyway. And that there's a distinction there. I think a lot of people feel like they can't do the right thing because they're scared. And there's nothing wrong with being scared. There's nothing wrong with your mind calculating the risk and feeling like, hey, maybe this is too risky. But if you think it is the right thing to do, you need to push past that fear and take a leap of faith and the way that they depict that the way that the ending goes off with everyone could wear a mask the way that they even have my boy peter parker doubt himself the one spider-man you've always known is doubting himself and the baptism of miles right being the one to be like no bro i got you don't worry bro i got you You, everything's gonna be fine you can't beat that one of the best passing down to the mantle one of the best depictions of a brand new character one of the best uses of diversity that like you said doesn't feel forced like oh we have to do this now because this is what people have been clamoring for more so than we ha- all the pieces are in place for us to tell this very unique story and now we're ready to tell it like, and what took quite us frankly, so long to tell this story and then when they told the story they told it right that moment where miles is is, is spider webbed up to his chair and yeah. his dad is talking to him I have watched That's enough reactions. Be, be, besides my own emotions to that and yours, I've seen enough reactions to know that that scene crushes people in in more ways than one. Because you, it's like it brings everybody back to a conversation that they had with their parent. Because every parent's worst nightmare is drifting apart from their kid, mm-hmm. and every kid's every kid's biggest problem when they become an adult is they drift away from their parents. Yeah. So that that conversation of I know we're not as close as we used to be, but you know I wish we were. That shit hits, and it it hurts, and you just want to be a good person for it. This movie and this him movie trying to console him trying to console his nephew about his own brother. Well, his son. Oh, sorry, his son. I mean, I meant the yeah, I meant <laughs> Aaron's nephew. Him yeah. trying to um him trying to console his own son about his brother, the person that and he knew longer than his my- son, right? And, and he knows that Miles, like, he, he loves assumes, him. He th- but he thinks that Miles rather have Aaron as a father than, than Jeffrey as a father. And that's, that. what, that's what hurt. That's what my takeaway is. And that's what, from that conversation, it hurts the most. Because it's like, damn, how do I tell my son, who I love more than anything else in this world, that who I think is his hero is now dead? Oh, I, and even before then, who I think is his hero is not perfect. That's even yeah. hard, right? It, like, how like, do I tell him, and how do you that my brother, my brother yeah. that I love, and I want him to love his uncle, but also not get too close to him? What does that even mean? What? How, how do you say that? You know, oh, yeah, have fun with Uncle Aaron, but don't hang out with him too much. You understand? Know Watch what he says to you. Those kind of things, you know, can create a distance, the same distance that you were talking about. And then, and, and then your parents don't explain it to you, so you now feel like your parents are the bad guy. So, so you rally against them and just do what they don't want you to do more because you don't understand why they don't want you to do it. And then you and find out that your uncle is the prowler. 
King, his life of crime got him killed. And but but more specifically in that film, his refusal to kill Miles got him killed. So it's yeah. a double-edged sword in that instance, and incredibly freaking tragic. Well, when he pulls the mask off and it's Miles, and he just drops everything, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, oh my bro, god! Do you remember exactly how that goes down? He takes off the the mask, he sees Miles, and then he puts the mask back on, and I'm like, oh my god, is this like a? I didn't see anything at the moment. Yeah. And he's gonna kill him, but no, he puts him down. And that in that moment, in that split second moment, he gets shot. But and he, but he started questioning. Every, then in that moment, he's just looking at his hands. He's looking around. He's questioning his entire life because it's like now my nephew, the one, the the one person I love more than anything, has to be my my op. He has to be my villain. Like my. They were my just life. trading like, dating advice. And now we're on top of this roof and I'm being told I have to kill you from a microphone in my ear. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's jacked up. I loved when everyone came to console him. Like we all lost people. It's kind of part of the job. It's kind of part of what happens in this. Um, like again, I think we're as human beings, we're not good at grief, but the ability to be like, yo, handle it however you want to handle it, but also know you're not alone. Like we're all here. We've all been through it kind of stuff. Um, benching him. And him being like, nah, screw that, I'm there. Like that, all, all of that's so good. Like I said, there's, we can sit here and talk for hours about Spider-Verse because I do think that is the best thing that's not MCU that Marvel's done in a very, very long time. I still implore people to watch it any chance I get. When I find out that people haven't, I kind of bug the hell out. I'm like, you need to get that that in you. It's it's fun. It's funny. Uh, it's it, Like I said, it, it, it plays around with the colors and the animation and stuff and to get, you know, to be funny. And then it gets really, really tragic. And then it gets really, really heartfelt. And then it gets funny again. And then it gets tragic again. And then it gets heartfelt. And you're just juggling with all these emotions. By the time that the ending theme is playing and it's swelling and he's like, anyone could be Spider-Man, you know, just put on the mask and you could be a hero. And, and, you know, I've been, it was the, it was words I couldn't say. But I've been trying to say for years by saying that you are worthy, that stuff, like the powers in you. Like, if you want to be a hero tomorrow, just wake up a hero tomorrow. Just do good things starting 100%. tomorrow. Um, and to hear that be depicted. And again, I went in this with no with no um, uh, expectations. So all the level, the bar just keeps getting raised. As I'm watching the film, the bar is getting raised. And I'm going, this might be the greatest. And then he gives the speech, and I'm like, yeah, I got it, bro. Yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah, it. this is the greatest. I got yeah. it. Yeah, I got but it. But now what happens when, when a hero loses his way? What happens when a hero does everything a hero can do, and now he just wants to just retire? What happens when a hero is dying of the one thing that makes them who they are? <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> It, this is surprising. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I actually had that on my list and I forgot, which is why I think things kind of got wonky. But yeah, go ahead, brother. Let him know. I, and we got some talking to do. Everyone's gonna look at me like, <laughs> I, like I'm like I'm a crazy person. Like, is is this really Dan? Is Dan is Dan okay? Has he been taken over by the body snatchers? No. When you go back and you watch, when you go and you read, when you go and you just think, sit and stew, and allow yourself to soak up the material of Logan. You realize yeah, man. it is the best. And if you want to say live action, fine. But I truly believe this is the best movie Marvel has ever made. That has nothing to do with the MCU. Not we're, We are coming off of a maligned trilogy of, of Wolverine Origins and the Wolverine. We're coming off of a maligned trilogy of First Class and then Days of Future Past. Man. 
uh, apocalypse. You're coming off a malign trilogy of X Men, X Two, First Class, uh, Last Stand. Like the the, the X Men franchise is probably one of the most roller coastery. You love it, you hate it. it. It's in your life forever. Franchises that comics has ever given us. You can find a person that loves every single movie. You can find a person that hates every single movie. But the, the this movie genuinely pulls things from this franchise. I mean, pulls things from you that not many franchises can. And Logan is the perfect send off, the perfect goodbye, the, the 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 perfect swan song for a character. To and anybody, everybody knows you cried when Tony Stark snapped his fingers in Endgame. Yes, everybody cried. Everybody thought, kind of cried when Batman kind of sacrificed himself in Rises and then popped up in Florence, kind of. But we all know in our soul when Logan was holding on to Laura's hand while his while he was basically dying on that tree, pierced through that damn stump. So, we but what all- what what's changed your mind? Because if people who do know Dan the Comic Book Man know that they were not, he was not a fan of Logan when it first came out. What's changed your mind, bro? Uh, I, I had to look at it as, in, in statistics-wise, like, like, think of it as like, like trying to name the world's greatest baseball player. Do you, do you name it by the guy that has the most home runs in a season? Someone that's at bat every time, that's on base every time he's at bat, or someone that's statistically showed accuracy, RBI, and all of that. And Hugh Jackman, is the only comic is the only actor to play one comic book character for for a single franchise yeah for its entire tenure for for its entire decadence like we 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 have had what seven batmans seven Superman. especially you want to think about like the serials and shit and and voice actors all that kind of stuff so oh many. my god yes Three. Well, I mean, even so, with with, with animated wise, yeah, Hugh Jackman's not going to be Wolverine in every single video game and every cartoon. But in live action wise, how many character, how many actors can say that they played one single character for like twelve movies? Yeah, yeah, that's true. For like every, I think he the only X Men movies that's in that X Men universes that he wasn't in was. Um, Dark Phoenix, uh, New Mutants, and both the Deadpool's. And right. that. Well, thing. no, he's actually his face pops up in both of those films. Well, that's also okay. So, <laughs> all right, so only Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Are the only movies that doesn't show Hugh Jackman's face. <laughs> yeah. So like, and and also the cinematography. I as much as I oh you know you've known that as 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 much as I always called this movie boring or just a slap in the face to everything I love about X Men. That's how I used to feel. I never disrespected the cinematography, the acting, or just the straight-up score. Like, James Mangold directed his ass to the grind. My only movie. beef, really, with this film, because um, I would, I, I had it written down, and I think if I would have placed it, it probably would have been in the lower half, like three down. Well, it was My between only... this, Deadpool, and Into the Spider-Verse. I think, like, those three is like everything that Marvel could have been or can be. Yeah. My only literally my only beef is I think that the third act is a bit wonky. 
I think that the oh when he gets to Canada with all the or he gets like Mexico, like the weird oh, he kids and he gets to Canada, Canada with the with the X Men kids with the kids and then the and then the robot robot people and the doctor and Cal Caliban yep. and stuff. Um, but some of that early stuff with him and Xavier again, I Logan is the no way home of X Men in a lot of ways. Like it's not just that it's a good film, but the weight of all the other films is on top of it. Uh, if you were a fan of all the other films the tragedy is tenfold watching a man that not only that you love and respect, but that was a love and respected member of the comic book community in both Patrick Stewart and uh, Charles Xavier and watching his mind deteriorate and he's blurting off Taco Bell menu items. There's something intrinsically sad about somebody that again, if, um, if there would have been, let's say, God forbid, something happened to Patrick Stewart after X-Men 1 and they had to replace him for X2 and X3. And then after that, they didn't, we didn't see him again for Days of Future Past. They had to put another guy in that, right? And then you get Logan and they, they, they use the Days of Future Past guy, but, and he's succumbing to these mental issues. I don't think you have the same sympathy. It oh, has to be the one you watched one. that you knew Patrick for 10 years. Also has been tenured with Charles Xavier for most of these movies as well. Yeah, so that's another one. But yeah, you're you're right. To seeing seeing this man's like, it's all about the earned moments. Yes. Everything in com, not just. I think comic books mainly should have like one of its main goals in mind is earned moments. You can't just adapt things from the comics just because you want to adapt things from the comics. You can't get Civil War without literally getting everything before it. Otherwise, death, death of Superman. As dark, much as I do love Dark Knight Returns, that BVS is not an earned movie. And I can, I, can you believe they killed Superman in that, bro? The second, yeah. it was the second movie. It was his second movie. No, it was, it was, it's not only that, it's like, and a lot of people want to argue the fact that the reason why Batman had his murder boner was because look at his perspective of seeing Metropolis fall to ruins because of Zod and Superman. But then now, why would the mother... No, don't worry about the... Mar the I, anyways, but for here, what it is, is there's, there's so many... Oh, oh, no, again, that would have been a big... that All of that would have been a bigger deal if Cavill was Superman for 10 years and if Ben was Batman for 10 years. And they never met. If they would have done 10 years of Ben as Batman and 10 years of Cavill as Superman and then you get that BBS movie, it would have meant everything in the and world. And imagine they use a callback from like the second Man of Steel or like 10 years. Man of Steel has been removed 10 years now and now we're getting the BBS and they give you the footage from the very first Man of Steel movie of Zod versus Superman. It's the way they did it in first class and that's what made first class work. Coming because back to it, yeah. It's ten, yeah, you are now 10 years removed or like 12 years removed from the first X-Men movie and then you're going back to seeing Eric's perspective of after the fact. And getting all those same feelings, all those same feelings bubble up again. Because it's earned moments and comic book movies should all aim to have those earned moments. So those moments of, of Wolverine, his claws, are, he's going to declaw himself, but then one of them is stuck. So he has to like pull the claw and you're just like, oh my. And there's that pus and all kinds of stuff around it. He's just, he's just because, like infected. Because his, 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 his healing factor is like, like, uh, going away yeah because he's like 200 300 years old mm -hmm. so his healing fact is finally going away so now the adamantium in his body is poisoning him like, i mean all of that is great dan the bread and butter of this is x23 oh she's she is i i i have since changed my mind as much as i want 
tall, grown woman, X-23, who I think, like, you know, like a Anna Taylor-Joy type looking girl. Mm. This little girl playing Laura is the, it, it, she makes the rewatch worth the rewatch. Yeah. Just everything. When she's just screaming at him in Spanish and he's like, shut up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. Just, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> English. He's like, a, he's like a being of rage. We've seen him kill a bunch of people and now he's annoyed by this little girl and she don't get, she's not scared of him. No, and she and he's just literally screaming in her face. The veins are popping out of his neck, and she's just continuing to yell in Spanish. Then he just passes to... out from the pain. Like he just yeah. has such an adventure that he just passes out from just everything oh, happening. He, to oh him. yeah, he yells her that way. He has like almost an aneurysm. Like at yeah, the he real. goes outside, starts screaming, whatever, and then he just passes out. And I'm like, golly, just all of that stuff with Laura. Um, watching. Um, you know the 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 villains come for her, and then she walks out of that. She kicks the head or something. She walks she out of that out thing. With the head in her hand, she drops it and like kicks it. And they have that slow motion shot where you see her hand and you see the claws slowly come out, and you're like, "What the?" F-? And then she just goes and just starts killing people. At one point, she's harpooned in this, and I'm like, "What? Yes. Oh, <laughs> what?" They yeah, they shoot a giant ass harpoon at her while she's on like the car, and she takes it in like the shoulder and continues to fight. I was like, "This is ridiculous!" This is a child. I had, we oh, and that's another thing. We had always been waiting for an R-rated so anything, you know, uh, comic book. We hadn't gotten in a while. We got it with. I think it was because of the, the success of Deadpool that they knew they could do it with Logan as well. Definitely because the last R-rated comic book movie that we got before Deadpool was Kickass. Yeah, because two wasn't even out yet. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kick ass to be lauded as a uh, box office smash. I wouldn't be surprised if it made money, but I don't think it. You know, okay, it made ninety six million off of a thirty million dollar budget. That's a success. But again, thirty million dollar budget, ninety six million. Deadpool, fifty eight million dollar budget, seven hundred eighty two million (laughs) dollars. So, like you know, Deadpool definitely was the thing that showed them that this is something that they could possibly do. A a bunch of blood, Uh, the slow motion kills when they're in the hotel, when they're in the Las Vegas hotel, and he has to crawl. That is one of the best comic book moments. Like I'm, I'm not made of stone. That is one of the best comic book moments ever. The dude is literally like crawling on the wall with his claws. And you just know it's not only is it hurting him because of the Sonic shit from Xavier, but he's already having problem with his claws. So mm. it's probably like hurting him to like put it into the drywall and brick. Yeah. So one of he the, puts it through he, people's skulls underneath. So and the like, slow motion of it is so sick where he's like, he puts it to, he puts his fist to someone's head and you see like their eyes slowly move. And then <laughs> yeah, the light yeah. Like, nobody's home slowly anymore. Slowly turn their head to the side, like, fuck, I'm dead. And before yeah. they can even think, boom, lights out forever. So it's, it, and it's, and I grew up with X-Men. I've seen almost every single X-Men in theaters, save for apocalypse action no apocalypse and new mutants i didn't see in theaters because new mutants finally came out when it was like we're only six months into a pandemic yeah and i'm not taking a risk getting caught and this was before all the variants this is before vaccines were even free to the public so it's like i'm not taking the risk just to go see new mutants even though we all know i actually like that movie but i've seen almost every single x-men film in theaters except for two of them so i grew up with hugh jackman 
as Wolverine. So to see this man with like the salt pepper beard and the thinning hair and his skin is like wrinkly. Like you can tell like he's like aging or like And they have the nerve. They have the absolute nerve to make uh Laura do the eulogy. Like she's sitting there and she's quoting that Shane movie, that Western, and you're just choking up and then you see them take that cross that's made of sticks and turn it and make an X. I damn near died, bro. Yeah. <laughs> when she turned it and made it an X, I was like you got again like the spider verse stuff you, like you know what you got it man what got me was what i didn't realize and it was it was thanks to a, like a meme or just a picture on on the internet but he was ba- his death was basically foreshadowed by yukio in the wolverine yeah. so to, yes. to, um, to know that i don't really like the wolverine i don't think the wolverine uh, is it's, it's very flawed there's some good stuff in it but it's very flawed i you know my problem is is silver samurai should not be looking like fucking michael bay's shredder he looks like yeah. Super Shredder. Or maybe Super Shredder shouldn't look like <laughs> Super <laughs> Samurai. Well, I think he was here. That's the problem. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll look that up while you talk. I think, yeah, I think the Wolverine and, and Michael Bay's TMNT came out the same year, but they're just both like this giant Megazord Samurai armor. And it's just like, eh, but no. Uh, uh, with growing up with Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, with all of my love for westerns and actual good cinematography, James Mangold taking the taking the series over from Gavin Hood and having to do the 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 worst job in the world, and that's be better than Wolverine Origins. I, I'm sorry, but that your your thought process has got me on a train of thought because it's like he lifted this to the extent that his arms could go up, right? Imagine if this was this franchise was in a better place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he lifted it from the ground to as high as he can put it. But if it wasn't on the ground, right? If X-Men Origins didn't suck, if the Wolverine was better, if Apocalypse was better, if Dark Phoenix was better, then this would have been the Dark Knight of movies, but I think it's colored less than that because the other films didn't do a great job setting up oh, no, for this. That, that is 100% what the problem is, is when you look at the X-Men franchise, save for the, the, the spinoffs, when you just look at the genuine, the three trilogies we got with the, 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 the 2001s, the 2010 one, and then Logan's, you really only have like four good, good films. Yeah. You have what? Well, you have X-Men two, you have, um first class i i genuinely think days of future past is a good film i think you could throw that up there as well and then logan yeah those are like genuinely the only four good movies of a 12 uh, of a nine movie franchise that's bad that's less than (laughs) half yeah that's like 35 percent of x-men's movies is good that's not good not great and they and so for them to slam dunk this after it's it, it's like an impressive ass alley oop, but the team lost. Oh, the score is still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that a movie? That was a movie, right? Where the final shot was cool as hell, but they still lost. I feel like yes. I, I can't. Yes. I, it's it's no. there, but oh I can't. My oh my god! There it was, was like a fancy like ass. It was a fancy ass final shot. They got it. They're like, woo! They're like, yeah, but you know, we need Crowds whatever to cheering win. And they're playing like that two thousands rock music that you hear on like yeah. radio Disney, but it's still like sixty eight to two. And now I'm also thinking that they were probably still celebrating, even though they were being told that they lost anyway, or whatever they needed a certain amount. I can't remember, but yeah, very, very funny. Um, and I wish, like I said, I wish things were in a better place, but that also kind of lowered our expectations for what this could be. And this was 
every bit of a Western, every bit of a noir, and then even to get the distinction of getting an all black and white cut made out of it. Super, super cool to get the Logan noir cut. Um, and I think that that works very well. It, as you can, you know, what's crazy is I gen, I actually like the, and I love black and white. I don't like the Logan noir cut because Mm -hmm. when you, when you do black and white on a Western, you're taking away one of its biggest shining lights, and that's the color, color grading. Color grading, yeah. Oh my god! When you get that big blue, like that baby blue sky with the white clouds, and then the, the burnt sienna, uh, the whole burnt yeah. sienna kind of for the whole thing. Everything looks warm and and glowing, and especially yeah. that that final fight scene. We are finally, after twenty years, we're finally getting Logan. Being able to do berserker mode with blood, with blood, guts, gore, you take away a lot of that when you do black and white. Yeah. Like if you wanted to do first class in black and white, I would actually genuinely probably watch first class in black and white and think it was really good. Especially if you do like a the grainy, that, that grainy uh, re- resolution. I think mm-hmm. first class would be great in black and white. But this movie, this movie has to be color. This movie has to be watched in 4K. Because it's just one of it's one of the best modern day westerns, truly. Yeah, and as you can see, um, so there is obviously still great Marvel films that exist without the MCU. Um, not to say, I mean, not a Marvel, lot, but yeah, yeah, Marvel's going to up the ante, and you know some of the characters that we we're just talking about, Wolverine, um, Punisher, Daredevil, like a lot of these characters are going to get a whole new coat of paint from the MCU, courtesy of the MCU. So that's going to be pretty interesting when all that happens. Um, so it's cool to look at the past and not just kind of use blanket statements like everything sucked before the MCU because it's not true. It definitely wasn't. And it was because of the MCU that I think movies like Spider-Verse and Logan had to up its ante. I like that Spider-Verse seemingly got better because of other movies being good. I like that the same thing happened with Logan. But then that doesn't excuse the Morbiuses. That doesn't excuse the Hellboy no. 2019s. Because Lord again, you had an opportunity to do something. In a, in a world where superhero movies are celebrated, it's up to you to experiment. Use the source material. Don't change too much, but understand what it's saying behind the text and get whatever that feeling that makes you feel make sure people feel that in the cinema that that's i know that's not easy but it's been done so it can be done no, you guys have up, to have a bit more faith felt for the first time in your entire life for the first time in your batman loving career you finally got the inner monologue how did that feel it was like, great it, it like the, the the people that make these movies have to understand that this it what you think the fans aren't gonna want is actually what we do want. And I hate when that's always the cop out excuse for things like Kamala's powers or Peter Parker getting the organic webbing. It's the fans aren't gonna want it. The fans aren't gonna buy it. The fans or aren't understand it. it. It's like shut up. You don't know us. What are you talking about? But then, but but then the movies that do do it right become billion dollar grossing. And it's like, oh, cinema is dying because of comic book movies. No. Some people with actual care for the fan base are coming in and giving us our money's worth. Yeah. Like you think people were going back five, six times to see Daredevil, to see 2003 Hulk? No, I don't No, think so. but Infinity War made a billion dollars. Endgame yeah. made a billion. Iron Man made a billion dollars. Yeah. 
Age of Ultron. Well, it's like what game? What, what game are you Age trying to play? There, there is, there is money in fan service. So stop trying to think that you know what the fans want. Ask them. They'll probably tell you. I'm not I saying every movie has to be done right. All of it. Yeah, it doesn't mean the whole film needs to be it. But you saw what happened with No Way Home. Like, there's definitely validity in giving the people what they want. Um. And that's all that we try to do here as part of the Major Issues Podcast is give you guys everything that you guys want, which includes free podcasts every single week, every single Wednesday, knock on Vibranium. We still haven't missed one. Um, we have a very special week next week. Next week is the six-year anniversary of Comic Book Click. And to uh, celebrate, I will be covering a film I've never seen, The Crow. There's some stuff uh, people have been talking about recently about reboots of this never film. Seen the Crow? Like never seen The Crow? Never seen The Crow. Genuinely never seen the girl. I might even uh, dabble in some of the comics to see what the story is to get a bit of a, a oh, background on what man. it all is. Okay. But um just but everything that just think of everything that you love about Blade. Yeah. But make it white nineties white boy angst. Take okay. everything you hate about <laughs> some forty one and good okay. Charlotte right. and turn it into This is a more character. Pearl Jam stuff, right? This is like more Pearl Jam. This, Nirvana. this is all Soundgarden. This is yeah, all Soundgarden. <laughs> this is all Chris. Uh, what's his name? Cor- Cornell. This is all Chris Cornell. This, this, yeah. is, this is acid rock at its finest. Matrix. I call it Matrix music. It feels like it, it, Matrix it, music. it feels like the right time to cover it because the people are now talking about a reboot with Bill Skarsgård in the lead. Um, so I would rather Timothy Chalamet to be honest with you. Well, the, an issue first casting that or fan casting was Jason Momoa. And then it went, uh, from, it went from him to... Old, uh, too big. <laughs> he's too big. That's what she said. But um, then you have Bill uh, Skarsgård doing it. So we figured we covered it for our six-year anniversary. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, so, But every episode of the Major Issues Podcast, past, present, and future, will be on comicbookclick.com. It's the one stop for everything Comic Book Click, our articles, our merchandise. Like I said, again, every episode of the Major Issues Podcast, it's how you can get to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. And for less than, um, well, for $3 a month, 10 cents a day. Less than 10 cents a day. Yeah, you can help us grow as podcasters you can help us grow all of comic book click because we use your money to purchase the hardware and software we need to produce more content we're trying to dabble into some more video stuff we are trying to just overhaul this whole thing in general um to best suit you guys so just make sure you're paying attention to everything comicbookclick.com we're also all over social media. We're looking for engagement. So make sure you're talking to us at facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or you can use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issue CBC on Twitter, where we're constantly posting updates to the podcast, memes, and comic book movie and regular TV news. Um, we have a bunch of stuff that we're excited to unfold for you guys moving forward. So hopefully... Um, you guys are ready for it. This is going to be a huge summer with things like Umbrella Academy, The Boys, um, Doctor Strange, Miss Marvel, all coming uh, and coming very soon. Uh, phrasing, but yeah, did we forget to say phrasing? I just said phrasing, so we are good on that. But um, yeah, man, get stay tuned. It's going to be some fun stuff. We'll be tackling some really fun stuff in the future. Um, I think I. S- Oh, rate and review us. Rate and review us on iTunes, please. It's cheap. It's, it's so cheap. It's free. So go now if you're listening to us on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Um, go ahead and give us 
the rating you think we deserve, which I know using my Professor X abilities is uh, five stars. So go ahead and give us um, five stars because not only does that help us uh, in our confidence, our very, very, we have very, very low self-esteem people. So go ahead and give us five stars. Oh, no, 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 don't tell them that. Not only does it help us that way, but it helps other people find us because as they look for comic book review comic book and comic book media review podcast we will be recommended to them if we're five stars people want to get it we're, think of yelp right you go to the restaurant that has the best reviews give us some good reviews so we can help expand our audience and become what i know we'll become because i've been to the future and that is the latest greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media but i can't tell you how we do that because i'll mess up the timeline and then you know uh, Amber Heard will be in the DC universe forever and no one wants that. So make sure that you're listening to the podcast. Make sure you're telling a friend to tell a friend uh, and you're liking and sharing and subscribing. Word of mouth is our biggest help. So continue to tell people about us um, and we will see you next week for a brand new episode and our six year anniversary. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our list of the best non-MCU Marvel films and remember whether or not you have a healing factor whether you, your heart you held your heart in your hands before you died <laughs> whether um, you were one of those motherfuckers trying to ice skate uphill <laughs> or <laughs> listen or just try to take a leap of faith remember that we are the click remember that uh, Marvel was good at one point before the MCU and will be good again. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy.